One. Two. Three. Four. One. Two. Three. Four. One. Two. Three. Four. All right. That's good. That's good. And then we'll do five seconds of silence, and we'll start that one now. Oh. Did I mention I hold my breath during that? <laughs> You're not very good at holding it for the full five, though. You only do like three seconds of silence, then no, you make your noise. No, no. <laughs> no, I time it. It's well into five seconds by the time I stop, sometimes. But the problem is I say now, and I've exhaled, and then I'm stuck for five seconds without a breath, and I start to get panicky. Well, see, that's why you need to have your uh, Whitney Houston on, so you can remember that you're supposed to wait to exhale. Oh, dear <laughs> God, man. <laughs> Don't make us ban Whitney Houston. <laughs> well, you know. We will. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> the disbelief. I mean... It, it wasn't that it was a Whitney we'll reference. It was, it was such an obscure know. Whitney reference. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm sitting trying to think of Whitney puns because the first thought that went through my head was two can play at that game. <laughs> but they can't. Owned you, buddy. Owned you. <laughs> I went for a Bobby Brown reference. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our show. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best two minutes we've ever recorded. But the veteran bodyguard already took all the damage. <laughs> With arms wide open. Oh, this is what you get, Sean Main, when uh, we record a half-hour episode just before uh, talking. What, what were you guys recording? We were recording episode 100. Yeah, we recorded episode 100, and our uh, 100 includes some audio we recorded at GP Las Vegas, as well as audio we've had people send in. In fact. If you don't mind, we could even do it now. Like You have like a 45 to 60 second window where you can tell us your sickest EDH play. Oh, I'm so on the spot now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to say, I was just about to say, you don't have to do it right now, but like that's, that's what we're doing. And we've got, mm, probably by the time we get all of them in, we'll have like 20 or so. <laughs> uh, I can give you the sickest way I've lost. That's cool too. Sure. Okay. So it was a game involving Eye of the Storm, as these things happen. I think I was telling you this the other day, Phil, but on there are a whole bunch of spells, including a Pact of the Titan, which, <laughs> you know, makes the token, but then we're going to need to each pay in our upkeep a five to get the token. <laughs> you can see exactly where this is going, where yeah. there's a big <laughs> series of spells Everyone, we you know, they go through the, the list of like, I'm casting this, I'm casting this, I'm casting this. Ah, do I want the token? And one person at the table was kind of like, ah, come on, of course you want the token. And so everyone has a token, everyone has to pay in their upkeep, and but we're all paying red, or there was some, some reason we could all pay. This, this person then, on his turn, proceeds to cast Keldon Firebombers, forcing everyone to sacrifice down to three lands, and one by one, we all fall. Yeah, it was good. That's beautiful. <laughs> that sounds so mean. <laughs> awesome. That is better than being devoured by uh, giant antiphages. <laughs> I enjoyed winning that way. 
In a world where gods will fall, <laughs> the one with the shiniest hat wins. Amonkhet <laughs> 2, Hour of Devastation. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <Da-da-da>. <laughs> uh, I'm Phil DeLuca. <laughs> I'm Sean Watson. Sean? Sean. <laughs> 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 well, if our guest is going to spell the word Sean wrong, I'm going to pronounce it wrong as well. Sean. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm Shaven Butt, and we are Commander in. Oh, goodness. It's beginning. It's beginning the hour of devastation. I'm sorry, our recording hour. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. We are nuts right now. It's been a great uh, pre-show, and you're going to reap the benefits or disadvantages of it. We put a spotlight on community issues, but never, ever talk about Five banned topics. Religion, <laughs> politics, Hearthstone, hip-hop, and Whitney Houston. <laughs> it's okay, Phil. I will always love you. <laughs> well played. Oh, Lord almighty. God. If we ever do like a feminism episode, you are forbidden from playing any reference to I'm every woman. Forbidden. Okay, so let me tell you a story real quick before we go. <laughs> Visit <laughs> patreon.com slash commander and MTG to stop the madness, everybody. I would like you to know Shiva that you guys invited me here. And you can't invite a vampire into your house. This is what happens. <laughs> Sing Whitney Houston to you? I don't think that's the way that myth goes. I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat with somebody. Just drain my blood and kill me and get out. (laughs) (laughs) After this madness, if you're still listening, don't forget to visit us on YouTube to check out our videos of the same stuff. It's madness. And we have a special GP Las Vegas video series where Sean and I recorded our journey to GP Las Vegas and some of the madness that ensued therein. (laughs) <laughs> so go take a look at that and uh, head on up to wherever it is you get your podcast from, which is usually iTunes, but other people use other services and give us a five star rating because then we can tell people like Sean Main that we are a five star rated podcast and uh, they'll come on the show. How about that? Ooh. Well, I mean, they would have come on the show anyways, but it also helps us, you know, makes them feel better that they're coming on the Second greatest commander show of all time. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we have the second most wonderful show lined up for you, apparently. This week, we have a wonderful show lined up for you. Sean Main was the co-lead designer of Hour of Devastation, the brand new magic set as of this recording. In fact, the pre-release is only in a couple of days. Oh, I can't wait. I, I was actually the, the, the sole lead 
designer of Hour of Devastation. Oh, yeah. I don't think uh, the small sets had co-lead, right? That's right. I forgot. I'm so used to you being in in the the lead of one of the big sets with a co-lead, Mark Rosewater. I forgot you were the lead. Ethan and I, for the last big ones, we we were co-leads with Rosewater. But no, this was was all me, for better or worse. Well, and I, I should always say... I was the lead designer, but uh, Ian Duke was the lead developer. So he had as much hand in it, if not more, than I did. So, hmm. What other set has Ian Duke been the lead dev on? I can't remember. Yeah, we should uh, ask Ian Duke that when he comes. Oh, yeah, we should probably do that. <laughs> I, this might have been his first, Yeah, I but I say so. that very hesitatingly because I don't guarantee it. I guess a better question is, is this the first time you would have worked with him as a lead developer? Yes. This is definitely the first time we worked together in that capacity. I I say that all very haltingly because, man, I'd be putting my foot in my mouth if it was like, no, Sean, you completely forgot about this. No, we totally worked together on Commander, didn't you? you Yeah, yeah, exactly. the late nights at your house, we ate ice cream (laughs) together. I thought this meant something, Sean. <laughs> Ian is the one who came up with the monarch <laughs> mechanic, actually. And it was for Ixalan, of course, but Sean Main stole it, as he did all of the good things. Uh, yes, you, I've seen you've been chatting with Rosewater and then mixing up the stories, which I'm very offended by. <laughs> I feel like that's Welcome back, a lot. Sean. We were going to go through the list of your accomplishments, much as, you know, a Japanese warlord would on the battlefield. <laughs> I'm honored but, and terrified. Okay, well, I can do that really quickly. Here's every set that Shivam has ever liked in the past decade of Magic. Oh, look, they were all by yeah. Sean. There, exactly, done. right? <laughs> yeah. Origins was my favorite set of all time until Kaladesh came out. Kaladesh was my favorite set of all time until I played Conspiracy. Conspiracy was my favorite set of all time until, well, I guess it's still better than Conspiracy too. but... <laughs> yeah, no, it's like... Sean has a... Shivam is a time traveler, ladies and gentlemen. We just discovered so much about Shivam. Whitney Houston fan, time traveler. Yes, but the point is, though, Sean has a very distinct signature of his design style that appears in all of the sets he's made, and hopefully later today we'll be able to delve into a little bit of what that entails because I think there's some really neat design decisions that definitely have his fingerprints all over them. And uh, I'm super excited to jump in and talk to him. That is incredibly sweet of you to say. Especially about a set that I am not personally and deeply invested in. (laughs) It's like, we could talk about this without making me sad, and I am all about that. (laughs) Now, you told us the last time you were on, I think, that you grew up in Egypt. Yeah, so I... I mean, this is is my pre-magic day, or I guess my days as a magic player, but yeah, when... I was five. We, my family moved there and basically were there through high school. It's where I really started playing magic. And then briefly during college, my Arabic is embarrassingly poor. This is where Shivam shows me up with his Arabic. My Arabic is hideously bad. Gujarati or... (laughs) It's okay. We can speak bad Arabic to each other. It'll be fine. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Inshallah. Yeah, right. Inshallah. So here's a question then. How did you discover magic in Egypt? Like, did you like import that? Where does that even come from? 
So I, I mean, I, I was living in an expat community. So sure, there were like the the school that I went to was uh, spoke English and was half American, and then we had fifty some odd other nationalities at the school. But it was I first got into it in middle school and kind of made friends with a lot of people, like the handful of people who played magic. And then in high school, there was like the one teacher. He was a, a physics teacher, um, Mr. Tappy. And he would like have people in his science classroom on Wednesday evenings and sometimes would do tournaments on the weekend. And we played a lot of like things that were like big five player games and they were chaos and it was delightful that's awesome <laughs> that really is awesome were were those imported american cards uh yes there was one italian guy in the group who would show up with italian cards and confuse us all because you know this is before the days of easily finding translations on uh gatherer <laughs> it's amazing how many of his cards were mana drained I remember there was one very specific incident uh, with some card and he had a deck that hinged on whether it said basic land or land and halfway through the tournament someone was like wait a second (laughs) (laughs) it's like it turns out this card doesn't say he wins every game (laughs) also Italian cards for what they're worth are amazing for one reason and that's because of the fact that for I have no idea why, but they put tap in all capital letters whenever you need to tap something. Oh yeah, that's fascinating. And it's just super weird. Like, I I would I bought a whole grip of uh, Italian um, Shadowmore packs from GP Vegas, and they all have the untap mechanic on them, and they're all like distapa in the <laughs> dis and then capital T A P, and I'm like, okay, 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 I won't tap it. Jesus Christ, relax. <laughs> Capitalization implies you have to really emphasize it with a hand gesticulation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Magic localization. That's a a topic I want to talk about one day. But so making an Egypt set must have been amazing for you then. So, yeah, I this actually initially the pitch to go to Egypt was something I did. We had a... um, off-site with all of R&D sort of talking about future things and it was it was this really cool event where like everyone could get up and sort of pitch things that could be processes or settings and actually a number of upcoming sets I think came directly out of that as well as just like big ideas like forming the gatewatch at all but one of them was me getting up there and pitching Egypt kind of I'd heard a lot of people tiptoe around the idea and say like, yeah, it's not that rich of a trope space. I don't know if we could really do if there, it doesn't necessarily have the things that we would need for a magic set. And I got up there being like, whoa, whoa, there is so much here that is just going to immediately click. It's got particularly like this really rich visual identity that I think players are going to immediately latch onto. And there's all these crazy creatures, the like soul eater that's got the crocodile head and the lion body. And, Oh, I'm now forgetting what the tail is, but and I mean, I could I could nerd out about like the extent of 
things and probably annoyed a lot of people during the design of Amonkhet <laughs> being like, no, 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 no. Let me tell you about what it was like. Uh, yeah, but see, that's the best thing about it, man. That's what we need from all of these sets is like <laughs> having a real witness, a uh, person who's experienced this whole like flavor, this setting in a real life way. That's amazing. Like your experience is uh, undeniably impactful especially on like a design like this because it gives weight and resonance especially to people who might have some connection to the culture i mean i I do want to say like i i'm i have like a handful of classes on egyptology and things like that and i've you know been to the valley of the kings and the queens but like i am i am not an expert and it it felt like a very personal connection but you know, I, I, I don't want to like overstate what that meant and or how much we were really going to rely on literal ancient Egypt. You know, we needed to take things in a very magic direction and like particularly because the setting ended up being a little bit of, uh, you know, it's it's all around Bolas and Bolas has such a huge thumbprint that that shoved aside a little bit of some of the Egypty things that we probably would have otherwise had in the setting. Yeah. I mean, Amonkhet definitely felt, it felt exactly like what I would expect a magic version of Egypt to feel like. Well, I mean, it you. had pyramids, it had all the things. <laughs> it still felt Egypty without being Egypt, which I mean, I understand is like one of those criticisms of Kaladesh that, people used to throw at me it's like how do you want it to be magic-y and kaladish and i'm like well amonkhet really feels like it got to kind of the heart of what i was hoping to see in kaladish which is like it's got the vibe and feel in its bones of an mm-hmm. egypt set while still being very magic-y and mm-hmm. yeah go ahead oh no i was gonna say i think the art ended up doing a lot for that yes because i think yes, there yeah. were i I was hearing some of your criticisms of Kaladesh at the same time as like we were, you know, towards like Amonkhet was uh, was basically in the can at that point, And I was thinking a lot about it and wondering if we had really infused enough Egypt in there. And then the art came out and like, oh, this really feels like it is very grounded in this place. And, and so I think like a lot of that ended up carrying some of that with the weight of that yeah exactly like when i look at the card from hour of devastation solitary camel which is like (laughs) just the randomest common but when i look at that that is exactly it's a pyramid it's a camel and it's bolus's horns and i'm like this is this is magic egypt land it's got very lively i mean it's a solitary camel it does what it says on the tin however it is exactly the like the the intersection of magic and egypt in a way that feels like both and i think that this set really kind of or at least this block really kind of brought life to that in a way that was really nice to see that's very kind of you i'm 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 very excited if that succeeded Right here on this show, we have coined two adjectives, magic-y and egypty. <laughs> so this is a magic-y, egypty magic set. 
I will say, though, man, the lack of original <laughs> camel and original desert, either as invocations or as cards in the set, really grinds yeah. my gut. I, I can see the argument why you wanted uh, original desert. No one wants camel. <laughs> Look, man, if you band with camel, you get protection from desert. Why would you not want that? There That's is, right. I mean, sometime you should ask Killy Diggs about that card because there were some weird rulesness uh, <laughs> going on where there's like ambiguity about like, d- is a camel in a band if it is alone? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I would imagine you guys sit and look at some of these cards from Arabian Nights that you wanted to maybe bring back for names or whatever and just be like, Oh. Screw you guys. Pyramids, Why did you do this to me? pyramids being some like, I mean, you didn't even name that as a card that you would want back because why would anyone want that pyramids dumbass card? So, it was so bad. <laughs> it didn't, wasn't it something like you tap it to destroy a uh, land enchantment? Uh, <laughs> something like that. Yes, an such... aura attached to a land. You are correct. Phantasmal <laughs> terrain was very important yeah. in the Merfolk Island book. And what was you that black correct. card that turned target land into a swamp? Yeah, man. That Evil thing presence. Gets... Oh, God. Pyramids was super good when, it, when idiots <laughs> were playing Psychic Venom on you. <laughs> oh man remember psychic venom that card screwed me a whole bunch of Dude, times yeah that i'd lost to psychic venom more than once <laughs> yes well pyramids is a modal card now guys it's uh speaking of the sean main special choose one <laughs> destroy target aura attached to a land and or <laughs> rather or the next time target land would be destroyed this turn remove all damage marked on it instead <laughs> <laughs> That's actually better than you think it would be, because it means you can't strip mine my lands. Yeah, or, well, yeah you just need that. that six mana and then two to save your Or land. if I have a whole grip of lands, I can stop that Armageddon from wrecking me. <laughs> I mean... If it wasn't a six drop, that would be playable. In <laughs> <laughs> but if... And, and so this is a rules question, I guess. Uh, when, when I destroy target land with my stone rain... Because, of course, I'm packing that in case I play against Sean Watson. Does that cause damage to a land? No, I mean, this is, okay, I'll... <laughs> it's, it's to deal with the corner case of, I believe, this is all, I am not a, a judge or anything. But if, Mr. say, you Fact- had an animated land, and I dealt six damage to your animated land... Sure. If... It, the game rules are trying to put it in the graveyard. And so if it didn't remove the damage, well, I can prevent it from being destroyed the next instance, but it's still got six damage on it and is going to get put into the graveyard State a second effect. later. Yeah, like, so it needs to also pull off the damage. This This is probably a lot what regeneration looks like under the hood, but... Yeah. Now we've talked about pyramids for five minutes, and <laughs> you know what, man? Polyartifact. I'm sure you guys sat there and were just like grinding your teeth, looking at these cards, <laughs> saying all these amazing, perfect names for cards that are just never ever going to be able to be reprinted. Like Desert Nomads would have been perfect. Desert itself, though, Desert is such a brutally strong card. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people don't think about it, but doing one point of damage to an attacking creature will screw a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. No, I mean, I I believe that one was toyed with at various stages to be in one set or the other, and it just didn't quite work out or... T- <laughs> yeah. 
We asked Ethan about it. He said um, that basically it was too powerful to be uncommon, but not good enough to be rare. Ah, uh, sure. That makes sense. Oh, man. <laughs> but so now, why were you on the second set and not the first one? Uh, so originally Kaladesh and uh, uh, Amonkhet were sort of flipped in where they were going to be in the timeline of magic sets in, in the, the larger planning and for i i don't remember if it started with story reasons or it started with no i think it was not wanting to have two graveyard based blocks back to back so uh. they were flipped and as a result i ended up you know working on kaladesh instead i mean hmm. that worked out <laughs> <laughs> are you going to do a set where it isn't based on an Indiana Jones film <laughs> so you've done the Egypt Holy set you've done the India set you need to do your uh, Jordan I believe yeah so, yeah, Sean and then followed where, by your our, space uh, aliens in the jungle set, set. <laughs> well I, there's one more set you know in the can that I, I worked on so I can't say anything about what it is or isn't but is that the set where old Sean Main goes to South America and is <laughs> dug up out of a nuclear refrigerator to run into aliens or whatever happens in this child? I, I, I can't say, Dinosaur. you know, anything. Sean Main <laughs> presents Ixalan, the new Indiana Jones thriller. <laughs> Shivam, I did some research while everybody was talking, and Ixalan is actually the first set where they have somebody who was present for that culture actually on the development team. What? Really? There were pirates on the Magic Development team? Pirates in Mesoamerica with dinosaurs, yes. So I'm going to go look at the, the development team and I'm going to see a raptor on there. <laughs> Pretty much. A time-traveling raptor, of course. Of I course. assume this you know is him. some joke about dinosaurs and you're calling someone old? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm sure that, uh, that Phil is trying to say that there was some South American present there, but I'm just making a joke of the other three things that are in Ixalan. No, I was, I was attempting to make that joke as well, based <laughs> on the earlier, like, you can't wait for a set to have that sort of mm. cultural veracity. I'm just saying, I did tell uh, Sean that he should call me when they were going to do a Kaladesh set, and he totally didn't. <laughs> Yeah, just saying in that brief just window saying. in between uh, meeting. Yeah, like that brief yep. window of three days between announcing <laughs> the set. And... Can we please pronounce it Hoopy? <laughs> no, I. Why? There. Hoopty. <laughs> I, I saw something pronouncing it. I know it. I know it is Hoopo. Yeah, and I mean that's the way you pronounce. That's the the proper pronunciation of that. But I want to pronounce it Hoopy. Can I? Uh, uh, and in Arabic, it is Hood Hood. Which I, I oh, rather enjoy. Oh, that's even better. Yeah. Also, the art on that card is just phenomenal. Yeah. And I look forward to using that in River Luxa in whatever pre-release set I end up <laughs> pulling. Because I'm sure that's going to be amazing. That was one that I actually, that I feel very connected to. Because even though the, the text change between design and development, like it, doing a Hoopo, I kind of kept pushing on the uh, creative team and being like, have you considered this super cool looking bird that is uh, native to the larger region? Hey, what about doing a hoopo? You guys, have you considered in addition to these cool ibises, <laughs> they're really cool, but you know what else is cool? <laughs> Why weren't the Avens represented as hoopos? 
I mean, I think those ibis headed. Uh, the ibis is super connected. Like it's it's very prominent in yes, uh, ancient is. Egyptian art. So I, I yeah, like I that know. that was uh, used. But I feel they could have had one hoopo avon. Well, they had a hoopo hoopo, which is pretty great. By I'm, itself. I'm excited just to get one hoopo. You know, you're now asking for a second. <laughs> yeah, it's like let, let's not push our luck here. And the card looks awesome too, right? Like. It lets you draw cards and gain life. What more could <laughs> a person want in life? Okay. <laughs> so. Beep, 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 beep. News. I would be remiss if I did not say thank you to Jason Alt and DJ and Corbin Hostler. DJ, I only know you as DJ. I apologize. But they had me on Brainstorm Brewery on Monday night. It was a surprise. I guess their uh, actual guest fell through and they needed somebody who could talk to Commander. And Jason reached out knowing that I have nothing else going on. Why are you mentioning DJ? He's not one of their hosts. Well, I'm thanking him. It's not that he's a host, per se. They do give him a lot of junk on that. So if you want to hear me kind of stumble through Commander Finance, oh, it's terrible. And they were looking at Hour of Devastation <laughs> with an eye toward how good it would be in Commander. And I'm just like, yeah, I buy cards. <laughs> we brought a Commander expert them? on to discuss them. <laughs> Phil Luca, just tumbleweeds going by. Yeah, died yeah. like the green ones. Well, I don't know if it'll make it to air, but I'm I'm pretty sure I asked. Like, so your expert guest bailed at the last minute, didn't he? <laughs> oh, they'll put it on. That'll make it to air. <laughs> but one of the things that I did do, and I don't know if we did it on our, this show, our own show, but man, I called Cat Tribal. For Commander 2017. I, it's dragons, it's cats, it's spirits, and it's humans. Guaranteed. And our guest doesn't have to mention anything about that or confirm or deny it, because I know it's true. Cat tribal, everybody. How cool is that? And yeah. I call it on, on uh, uh, Brainstorm Brewery, and of course now it'll get released and it'll sound like, well, no, duh, he just checked the internet. No, I think you mentioned it on a previous episode when I told you yeah. that this was one of your classic Phil oh, Phyrexians are going to be in this set because here's all the clues. <laughs> Conspiracy theory, tinfoil yeah. hat, been watching too much InfoWars junk. But no, you're right this time. A stopped clock tells the right time twice a day. It certainly does. But, you know, they released... They, they Sorry, the, the unofficial leaks, which were terrible, had a, a, a cat dragon in it. There's only one reason there's going to be a cat dragon in the commander set. To make and cute tokens. It's because to make absolutely cute whoever's on the creative team has a ridiculous fetish for felines, which is why no. we've got cat monkeys and cat zombies and now cat dragons and then no. cat dogs and cat cats. Cat snakes. Cat hounds, you mean. Cat snakes. Cat dogs? Oh, cat hounds. hounds, not dogs, and yeah. naga cats, and uh, yeah, yeah. Cat no, um, it's it was it was clear cat when I saw mage. that cat dragon. I was like, they are definitely taking a shot at the internet cat crowd, and I was right. <laughs> yep, they're not wrong. That but, deck is uh, going to be for the Vorthosen out there. I will say the <laughs> cat dragon has been around since like the earliest days of magic lore, so I guess they're okay. It still seems really cheeseball, but, you know, we'll see. The real joke is this is a cat-themed deck, 
but the only cat in the deck is actually the cover card there. <laughs> it's a cat equipment theme deck with no cats and auras. Bam! Call that too. Here's my problem. <laughs> it's two colors. It's not bant. Jedet Ojanan, the original cat, is bant. I mean, is is rather Azorius, blue and white. And why can't I play Jedet Ojanan in all of these cat tribal decks? What is wrong with you, Wizard of the Coast? You I'm just saying Jedet Ojanan plus Jedet Ojanan of Efrava need to be able to play in the same deck together. That needs to be a Bant Cat Lord. I have been asking you guys for a Bant Cat Lord for at least three years now. Plenty of time to get it into this. You guys just heard Cat Lord and you played a cat deck with no Bant. You will be hearing from me forever. <laughs> I mean, flying cats, right? It's a staple in science fiction. And fantasy, for that matter. But Jedet so Ojanan is the best yeah. seven-cost vanilla 5-5 five five there is in Magic. No, I'm backing you up, bro. I'm saying we need a flying cat, and that's a white-blue cat. Yes, we need to remake yeah. Jedet Ojanan. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm Again. saying there should be less bant commanders in general, so please stop. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> but but Jedet Ojanan, he's the mightiest of the cat warriors. He's, he, you know, fine. <laughs> Anyways, Sean, let's... I like how Sean Main is giggling uncomfortably in the background. <laughs> he knows what's coming, so he can't say a word. I so, mean... yeah, how about them leaks, Sean? Apparently <laughs> the people in my house who are getting ready are having a rave. That sounds exciting. Sorry. <laughs> you, well. you did sound like a very old man, though, talking about the kids with yeah. a rave. <laughs> 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 Kids with your music, your hip and your hops, and your, you're getting lit, I believe. Why don't they listen to Whitney Houston like we used to do? Yeah. <laughs> Hour of devastation. <laughs> Fine, cut off my Whitney Houston story. Go ahead. Hour of devastation. <laughs> Surgical. <laughs> <laughs> Second it, but it was it was a perfect segue you said so and i heard you winding up i could jump in right there interesting story on the set of the bodyguard no she on no. the 14th of july 2017 there are 199 cards in the set which i guess makes it a small set or is that counting the invocations too uh that number must be counting the invocations i don't it has to be know yeah. it offhand, or does it count the but... basic land yeah it always counts the basic lands it's a 169 card set with 30 invocations okay thank you all right there are 30 invocations in a small set always they have do been. the same in all of them no they've been uh Fewer in the small sets, or the, no, they were, the two they were half done this. <laughs> you know what's going to happen? Someone's going to start talking. I'm going to do some research. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I good old Phil. Got to be right, Deluca. And the uh, well, Sean has made me like this. So, patron <laughs> Andy Bentley. Before we get rolling, since we're talking about generic, you know, general information about the set. Patron Andy Bentley wants to know who designed the new bomb enchantments from Hour of Devastation, and he is focusing on Overwhelming Splendor, Solemnity, Splendor. and Fraying Sanity. Those are great cards. I am going to break his heart because I don't know the answer. Each of these three cards came from the development team, and <laughs> so... So you're saying that nobody stopped development from putting humility back into magic? <laughs> like... <laughs> 
<laughs> I like I, I saw overwhelming splendor and I was like, how could you do this again? <laughs> we had a bunch of debate on I'm that, sure. whether it was uh, appropriately white enough um, mm. to be one sided and not affecting everyone's stuff. But <laughs> it is it is quite the eight mana enchantment. <laughs> I mean, that card is just like humility has never done anything good for people in Magic the Gathering. Oh, no, honest. that's a sweet card. <laughs> <laughs> like that card <laughs> Like if that's if if the cards uh, is used to be the test for level three judges to get to level four, you know that maybe this card is a little too ridiculous for the game at large, and yet here it is as an eight mana curse with some of the best art in the game I mean, in the set. I'm just saying, uh, it looks incredible. However, uh, for the purpose of the folks at home, uh, six and two white for eight mana enchantment aura curse. Enchant player, creatures enchanted player controls, lose all abilities and have base power and toughness of 1-1. And enchanted player can't activate abilities that aren't mana or loyalty abilities. So that means that your planeswalkers or your um, like mana dorks still get to be mana dorks even though they're now 1-1. That's, I guess, better than humility, but it's still the most ridiculous like stacking noise you're ever going to have. Thank you for making that mythic at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, all those rules things have been sorted out. Judges can continue to have fun with the nonsense. And I think you really need to enchant yourself to get maximum <laughs> nonsense from this one. <laughs> oh, God. Was this a drunken <laughs> night with card designers and developers? <laughs> We're like, do you know what will really upset all our new judges? <laughs> Humility, too. <laughs> oh, oh, man. This is one where you put it into Marath and then you argue that you actually can create zero zeros. <sighs> God, dude, why? I'm pointing out those creatures do lose all abilities, so. Marath's creating 1-1 one, one elementals with no ability anyway. No, she's not because she can't create them because yes. she's lost that ability. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or he, or yeah, whatever the darn. farting elk beast is. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Why is it shooting flame out of its butt? Oh, never mind. Speaking because of flame out of its butt, watched... how about that crested sunmare? Someone watched Princess Mononoke I think we're gonna get to that. and said, there's the design for me. <laughs> I I apologize to Andy. I I just don't know the answer. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. So we have selected a few cards each. Shivam, of course, has selected four out of three. So well, I'm going to gonna erase one, one because we literally <laughs> just talked about it. I just spoke about overwhelming splendor. So yeah, it's under the heading three cards. <laughs> you know right, what, man? So... I don't play commander for math. Which <laughs> <laughs> is weird since I play with like all token doublers and like oh, dice and plus one plus one counters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm still relishing your earlier uh, sickest play story. Oh, dude. So cool. All the zombies. So we've picked some cards just so that the listeners know what the format is. And we're going to talk about each one, but we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about them. Sean is going to tell us what stories he can about. <laughs> sure. And then at the end, uh, after we've each 
talked about our three cards and brought them up. We're actually going to, we have a section on the legends in the set. And fortunately, there aren't too many of those. There's only six. So if we don't cover somebody, we'll get to it at the end of the show. So Shivam, start us off. All right. Well, I tried to pick cards that would kind of be more categories to give more room for talking. Specifically, I wanted to talk about one of the neatest cards I saw in the set, Endless Sands, the uh, rare desert land that taps to add a colorless, pay two and tap it to exile a target creature you control, and pay four and tap it to and sack the un- Endless Sands, and return each creature card exiled with this card to the battlefield under its owner's control, which is just like an old card that confused me when I was a kid called <laughs> Safe Haven <laughs> from the Dark, yeah. and which is a super neat card because it's like half a Karn and also has the uh, benefit of turning on all the random put your desert in the graveyard cards that are in this set. So, uh, Sean, I was wondering if you could maybe share some light on all of the desert mechanics and everything and maybe why you brought this card back. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're cheating again. Wait, what's... Endless sands. Go. <laughs> well, it is. They're endless. There's 16 of them. There's a lot of sand. Oh, it's totally in the card. Did she even squeeze in 16 <laughs> cards into his first choice? Well, let's, okay, let's go through them in order. So. <laughs> so the deserts were something that we tried to do in Amonkhet. They, from actually from the very beginning of like pre-design for the set, we knew that deserts were kind of this, like we needed to, to fill that fantasy of like deserts as land cards. And they were originally trying to be something you could draft in, in Amonkhet. They were kind of connected with this like black deck that particularly focused on deserts as a source of zombies and telling that part of the story, but it, it wasn't quite clicking in limited so relatively late in the set, we pulled it out as like a major archetype, like uh, late in design of the set. It didn't didn't end up going into development. And so there was just like that smattering of deserts, but it was something that I knew really wanted to fulfill that like desire to draft the deserts deck. And so, you know, we were just iterating on like the, the cycling deserts became really key. And then kind of late in design, we sort of latched on to the other, the uncommon colored deserts. And then we just had all these ones that were just like, we, we got to create cool top-down deserts. So, I mean, exactly what you were thinking that like, um, I was looking for sort of stories you could tell connected to the desert and uh, like getting lost in the desert. We were looking for various expressions of that, but um I think uh, this card basically sprang fully formed as like some called something like desert hideaway or something, but it was exactly like staring at safe haven and being like, yeah, this, this really works for a desert. That's cool. That's such a cool card. Like the original was just super neat. And I love the art on this one. And I think really all the deserts turned out really cool. I'm sad that we didn't get an evolving wild for deserts Mm. and, Ethan said that you guys just never thought of it. And I mean, I believe it when you're in the middle of set design, you're never going <laughs> to think of everything. He, but that he also, really he was on Amonkhet. We definitely played with, I, I will tell you the crazy design that, that was in uh, the design file for a long time was a thawing glaciers for deserts. What? what? That, that would have been amazing. It was 
it it would have been amazing. It was a little bit too much. The it actually like as we made the deserts themselves cooler, we had to pull back on some of that like uh, desert tutoring. <laughs> yeah, well, well done. Uh, <laughs> that we we had to pull back on on the tutoring because like it just became too much of a utility package. It wasn't just like, oh, this is this land that gets more lands. It's this land that gets zombies and minus one, minus one counters and endless sands. And so it didn't work for that reason, but uh, I think it was a, it was a fun design. Hmm. That would have been neat. Yeah. The second card I chose was one of the coolest art pieces, I think of the set for the red legend Neheb the Eternal, three and two red for the legendary zombie minotaur warrior, whose title is, I think, the smallest I've seen on a title (laughs) line in modern day. He's got Afflict 3, which is, by the way, the most busto uh, aggro uh, mechanic in quite some time. (laughs) Like, uh, during the pre-pre-release, you would just see, like, oh, you're going to take damage either way, and this is going to hurt all day long. But the best part of this is that it's mana ramp for red, that combos with so many amazing things because at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, you add one red mana to your mana pool for each one life your opponents lost this turn. (laughs) Not just that Neheb did, but that they lost, period, in general. (laughs) Hello, Combat Celebrant. Hello, Prodigal Pyromancer, and all of these just, like, I don't know, (laughs) dumb things you can do. I can... Pour fireball. all of my fireball mana into you the first half of the main phase. Get all that mana back and do it again the second main phase. Yeah. What happened here? This card is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so l- let me let me start with not the coolest part of the card, but where kind of the uh, Eternals and Afflict came from. So uh, Eternals were this huge part of the the setting and a huge part of the story of this block. So like from the beginning, a huge part of the design was trying to figure out like how do we fulfill this story point you know they they open the necropolis and there's this essentially army of the dead and there are these super zombies that are encased in lazatap and so we needed to do something that was like really cool and we came at it from the two angles the the two big mechanics of the set eternalize and then afflict which was playing around with, well, I should I should back up and say there's this design problem when um, you have a story point like there are these super zombies and they have to be extra cool because unless you're going to make just giant things on the curve, it's really hard to express like it's an army of giant things. So you kind of needed a mechanic that could fit on a small creature, fit on a big creature, but that would feel scary and mean. Mm. And I don't remember who first pitched this. I, I wish I could say, but it was that notion kind of of like, even when you're blocking, you're losing. They just, they mm. are, they are hitting you on every axis and you are, you are going to succumb to them. Even if you are killing them left and right. So I was really happy. And then then once we did that, like the challenge was how do you make like it's such a workhorse mechanic, like you can imagine flicked two on a two two and something, but how do you make cool rares? 
And so we played a lot with this Punisher space of like, well, maybe you want to block, but also you're screwed if you don't block. And also, <laughs> and so, yeah, this, this is really fun to make some of these cards. So, I mean, it definitely makes us set way more aggressive than like, I mean, I'm on was already ridiculously aggressive, but this afflict mechanic just feels like, why would you ever block? You're going to just take a ton of damage one way or the other. And in most cases, except for Neheb, the thing is like, if you take combat damage, this thing triggers. If you block, you take less damage from the afflict. And God, it just feels like, it feels like it's inevitable that you are just going to die when you're staring down a horde of Eternals and there's nothing you could do. Yeah. And that feel that's an amazing story feel. But it definitely doesn't don't you think it gave the set a little bit of a like a definite like aggression note to it? Yeah, I mean definitely I I will be curious once people play with limited what they think, because there are definitely forces pulling in both directions, kind of like in Amonkhet, mm. which I think ended up being more aggressive than it, it first looked. But definitely <laughs> this sense that like people are dying and this is a scary world and things are coming for you. <laughs> I'm really happy with <laughs> that. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. You guys really captured the, the, the story elements in, in the mechanics. I've noticed that the last couple of sets, actually the last couple of blocks, Kaladesh and, Amonkhet, of course. It feels like you're telling a story as yeah. you play Limited. It's just wonderful. I mean, that, that's great to hear. That was definitely the intention. And we, particularly with this set, we're really talking about story and talking about how do you express bolasness and how do you express yeah. the zombie army and what happened to sort of the survivors of this apocalypse and how do you sort of... Fe- create the feeling that they're, you know, fighting back and in their heroic last stand. So, yeah, awesome. <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned Eternalize before. You missed a trick on the naming of that ability. Oh? I would have called it Mega Imbar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I laughed and so he drops the mic. He's done. <laughs> I laughed so hard I knocked the mic off the table. <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Mega Ball. <laughs> I mean, Mega I it. If only I had a time machine. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you're kidding that that didn't come up. Come on. Oh, I'm... I... Uh, forget it had a it had a slightly different name for most of its life. I'm, I am blanking on what it is right now. Oh, I want to right here on the show coin yet a third adjective. So instead of bolusness, we should call it velocity. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. He's got terminal velocity. Man, you guys definitely played Nikki B up to be a complete jerk bag in this set, though. Yeah, I mean it's coming oh, through in spades. Good. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like they planned it kind of strategically. I see what you did there. Let us <laughs> lean in close and talk about this some more, Phil. Yeah, my third card was definitely it has less to do with playability and more to do with a couple of things. First off, I picked strategic planning, a common sorcery for one and a blue, which says uh look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them into your hand and the other is into your graveyard. 
it makes sense why it's in this set, right? Because you're pitching cards into the graveyard that helps with eternal eyes and aftermath and whatever. And it's card draw, but it's also the most ridiculous picture ever of <laughs> Gideon and Jace kind of squatting into a frame that apparently they can see. And but the other <laughs> trick, the, yeah, it's like, ooh, hey, guys, we need to fit into this card frame. You're a little too tall and we can't afford to zoom out. So can you just kind of kneel? But the other thing that I didn't realize until I was doing more research is this is a reprint from yeah. Portal Three Kingdoms. And that's why I put it here because I'm super, I'm always super excited and super interested to see when you guys go dig deep into the vault to pull out cool reprints. And I was wondering if, how you found this and like, I mean, it fit perfectly into the set, but for nice one, if it didn't fit perfectly into the art frame, (laughs) it it is. How did you dig it up? um, This was added by development, but I can say, this is one that sort of lived on the bubble for a while and has been talked about a bunch for going into sets because there's a lot of that early blue card filtering that, you know, all that one mana opt and sleight of mind and ponder that ponder. like just keeps on burning us and like, you know, looks so fair and particularly like in standard would be okay but then you know you take it to modern and you get a few of these and suddenly it feels like your deck is half the size it is because you're just adding so much consistency but strategic planning you know it it's two mana it's doing this little anticipate kind of action and like this has been one that we've talked about a bunch like is it is it time to use this card this is a really cool name you know it is it's it's a name we actually get to revive it's not pyramids or something so (laughs) doesn't have some and it's not something like you know three eyes under the peach blossom yeah it is not some obscure three kingdoms (laughs) reference that doesn't work in another setting so Zhao Yo Dun's cup of tea (laughs) (laughs) that would have been perfect for Amonkhet listeners i want you to go look at the strategic planning artwork and we're going to have a caption competition for it (laughs) i'm imagining it's no gideon i can't join you in the trials i've got a really bad back (laughs) jace are you reading my mind or something you'll always know when i'm gonna throw rock (laughs) god damn it no I think they're discussing what those two horns in the background most remind them of. <laughs> God, it really is like the silliest artwork in the game. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I look at Jace it. Jace is saying, Gideon, you can ask her out on a date, but it's just not cool to go out of your mate's exes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's like... God, dude, we should really talk to the landlord about how low the ceiling here is. <laughs> it's like, look, the Airbnb made it look way bigger. Yeah. Gideon, every time you stand up, you dent the ceiling. <laughs> Gideon's saying, stay perfectly still. Dragon's eyesight is based on movement. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know what? Let's just scrap the rest of the show and just do (laughs) (laughs) captions for strategic planning. It seriously feels like, you know, it's like, all right, guys, get in real close so that we can take a picture together. But, you know, you don't need to because the camera lens is bigger than you think it is. So you're always squanched in the middle. 
It's a camera. It's a it's a corporate photograph. Okay, just lean in. Look busy. <laughs> Jace is saying, "Look, Gideon. I know it was funny the first few times, but seriously, just give me back my other glove." <laughs> <laughs> I have these tailored on Innistrads. Oh, come on. The coat doesn't look cool unless I've got two. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> Portal Three Kingdoms, man. A lot of real gems in there. <laughs> Why does Chase have one glove on? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Alright, sure. I'm done Michael with my card. You go. Clearly. Good. The robe just looks silly if I've only got one. <laughs> Dude, you told me you weren't going to think of anything. I didn't think of anything. Well, it's, it's seriously, it's like the end of Ghostbusters. Someone <laughs> thought of giant horns. When, when I was sitting around the campfire as a child, I we would eat Nicol Bolas branded marshmallows. <laughs> Nicky B could never hurt us. <laughs> Something pure, bees. something innocent. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, every Bulmas. Yeah, <laughs> yes, every Bulmas. It's a sacred holiday. I'm going to move on to my cards. Um, yes, please. Because this first card I'm going to mention felt like a gift for the style of magic I like to play. Yep. Which is Mirage Mirror. Uh, three mana for an artifact. Two mana. Well, it's too generic, man, should I say. Mirage Mirror becomes a copy of target artifact, creature, or enchantment, or land, until end of turn. Now, I think that's got potential for being broken as hell. I am excited about the fact... I, I, I can't tell you the background. This is another de- development card. This probably came pretty late. I love the card, though. What I'm excited about... Oh, no, sorry, I'm misreading it slightly. Never mind. This is a cool card, though. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was to gonna, one. I was gonna say something that doesn't actually work with it. So uh, forget no. what I was gonna say. Wait, had you never seen this card? No, no, no. I mean, I've seen this card, <laughs> but I was, I do not know its intricacies the way I would if it was, you know, if I had been working on the set at that time. This just smacks of commander power. So oh, yeah. Let's say someone's got a mind's dilation out. You can instant speed become a copy of it when someone casts a spell and you rip off the spell. Before. It's just busted. Someone's got an Avacyn out. Suddenly you've got two mana or your permanents become indestructible. Someone's got Cabal Coffers out and they've also played Urborg because they do that sort of thing. Well, you've got it too. It's just... Busted as hell. It really Someone's is. got out a staff of domination, and you can become a copy of that staff and then win the game. Didn't the notes um, for this card say something like you could trigger this like seven times, and it would just go through, like uh, go through the stack? Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing things. I was looking for is some combo that's using the fact that it's switching between these different modes in the course of a turn or like doing some goofiness where you copy uh, something with that exiles a card for one reason and then you use it for a different one. Like I really want to see like this feels like there are going to be weird combos that are possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a 
Johnny card if I ever saw yeah. one. Okay, so here's what the rules say from uh, Eli Schifrin, is that if you activate Mir- Mirage Mirror's ability multiple times in a turn in response to itself, then each time one of these abilities resolves, it overwrites whatever it's copying. So it winds mm-hmm. up a copy of whatever the permanent was the last one resolved. However, yep. if an effect begins to apply to the mirror before it becomes a copy of another permanent, that effect continues to apply. For instance, if it's activated twice, first targeting Rampaging Hero, Hippo, then Frilled Sandwalla, God, those are hard to say. The ability it has while it copied of the Frilled Sandwalla will be activated and continue to apply when it becomes a copy of the Hippo, which means, Sean, exactly what you think it did, which is if you copy A and then it has an effect that happens to be a thing and then you copy Lost. B, that first effect will still happen. So, like, I guess Frilled Sandwalla is that one green uh, lizard that has the root wall ability that lets you pump it up for two plus two plus two. So, I guess you could copy two things, like the hippo and the sandwalla. It becomes a sandwalla in response, you pump it up, and then the second trigger happens, turning it into the hippo, which gives it the original pump of plus two plus two, plus turning it into the rampaging hippo, which is a five six trampler. So it becomes a six seven trampling mirror, which is bonkers town. <laughs> and God knows in our format it's going to become obscene wow holy crap <laughs> for one card that nobody's really talking about that i think will become a commander uh, bomb to a card which i feel the opposite way around lots of people are talking about that i actually think is hugely overrated so i'm bringing it up here because i find the conversation it's generated online and in my paper community as well to be interesting, which is Torment of Hailfire. (laughs) X black black, repeat the following process X times. Each opponent loses three life unless that player sacks a non-land permanent or discards a card. So initially you read that and you go, blimey Charlie, that's going to destroy face. Uh, And I'm talking purely commander. I can't talk about other uh, formats here. But when you really get down to it, so let's say you resolve it and X is 10. Well, unless you're comboing out where X can be 7 million and you're doing it early game, which is, you know, any X spell can win you the game at that point. What does that X 10 that you've just paid 12 mana actually achieve for you? So your opponents are probably going to have a board state at that point. So let's say they sack five things, discard three cards and take you know, six damage. Well, you've paid 12 mana for a Nev's Disc. I just... It, <laughs> bad Death Cloud is bad, people. I mean, everyone's going, oh, well, it doesn't hit you. It doesn't hit you. That's what's better than Death Cloud. Well, no one plays Death Cloud outside of decks that are wanting to put stuff in their own yard. And... It gives your opponent way too much choice. Unless you're doing a combo where you say X is a thousand. And it kills everyone. I'm just not sold. And I think this is the sort of card that you use as a test. To say to people, evaluate this card for me. And we'll see how well you understand how people, how your opponents behave during a game of magic. This card makes you feel bad. (laughs) Like, there's, 
This card just makes you feel bad. This is not a good choice. If X is 10 and you have to choose, you know, mix and match all of that, sure, you can find a mix and match that works out relatively in your favor. And 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 you're still down X, whatever it is, life, cards, or permanence already in play, right? It's 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 not a bad card, Sean. Right. So no one uses in Garuk's Wake, which I would argue... That's not true. Mm, few people use Ingaruk's Wake because you'll just go choose... Look, man, before uh, Damnation was reprinted this year, a lot of people used whatever they had. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's a bad card. I'm saying it's not the... Like, go online and look up sort of responses to Torment Hellfire. And then particularly in my LGS, people were like, forget Razaketh and things like that. This is the most broken card whoa, for Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, no, whoa, they're, they're just being we dumb. can't take back. <laughs> so, so definitely, like, there's the phenomenon when you see, like, the Punisher mechanic that a lot of people imagine the best-case scenario when mm-hmm. you have to consider, like, no, your opponent is in control it is inevitably going to be the worst case scenario for you. I think that's just something that like people read and sometimes struggle yeah. with. I I agree with you. I'm not sure this is going to click for Commander. I, I hope it does, because it's really fun to resolve and watch your opponent squirm. Or, you know, if not this one, then the <laughs> Torment of Scarabs that just forces someone to do it every upkeep. But, <laughs> I mean, I... I think that's a bad card. I mean, I am excited to resolve this for, you know, five, seven. And the fact that I don't I don't care if it's how much it's helping me. I just want to see people squirm. This is, yeah. you know, <laughs> after the last time I was on this show, I went and made the uh, black red Mogus deck. That's all about, you know, giving my opponent those painful choices, putting in the painful quandaries. And this card will definitely have a home in there. Yeah, like that yes. whole torment cycle is just feels it feels like for a player like me at Super Timmy, like, yeah, this is gonna be baller. But at the same time you're like, ooh. I don't know, I think Torment of Scarabs feels more fun for a commander because it's like the persistent irritation as the the one that's a curse <laughs> as opposed to just the mega hell hailfire. But hmm. The Torment of Scarabs, that's a good way to just make one enemy for the whole game. (laughs) Right? Like, it feels just like, that seems mean. (laughs) Like, why are you picking on me, guy? Just because I have, you know, indestructible everything, doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. (laughs) Just to make it clear, I'm not saying this card is a bad card, but I think that what if you're paying it for a reasonable amount, let's say you resolve it for X is 5, you're never going to get the target you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You are not going to get gonna kill them. the 15 life from everyone. Yeah. Yep. You're not going to kill them. You're not going to kill that one creature that you need to kill because they're going to keep it on the board. Because if they're a reasonably aware player, they'll realize that's what you're trying to get rid of. And in Commander, many players have hands full of cards. So they'll just chuck a couple. You're never going to get what you want. Run Exsanguinate instead if you want to kill people. X will only be five in a sealed game. Ah, uh, what do I feel? I think it's more reasonable to look at, like, this is a card that you're only going to play when you have a lot of mana available, right? And that's the no, Cabal Coffers or board. I've to the Deathless for three before. Well, yeah, but that's a desperation play. 
or that's uh, just what I need to, you know, end the gameplay. But a card like this is not going to necessarily end the game, but it's going to make your opponents feel terrible, and it's going to wreck plans. <laughs> it's going to wreck plans. And so you're doing this late game when you have a ton of swamps and mana doublers out, and I don't think X will ever be five or should ever be five in a commander game. I think X, you know, seven or above is a lot more reasonable for this card. So, Sean, why did you guys put these? It feels like this set has a lot of these Punisher or Saboteur <laughs> style. Not Saboteur, I think Punisher style mechanics where you're giving the opponent a lot of choice, both in Afflict and in this Torment cycle. What were you guys hoping to accomplish? So, this mechanic actually has a history to it. Back during sort of the pre-design of Battle for Zendikar, Ethan and I were looking for mechanics that kind of felt like Annihilator, but that we could use a little more liberally than Mm. Annihilator had been used. So we latched onto this walls closing in mechanic And we were really excited by the fact that it could be a writer on things. It was a little too wordy, and we kind of went a very different direction with the the Eldrazi there in the end. But it was this really cool feeling when it worked, and when you got hit by a few of these in the game, that like, okay, at first you're pitching cards, that's okay, then you're sacrificing stuff, and... Or sorry, first you're first you're probably losing life. Then you're maybe pitching the cards. Then you start to have these turns where it's hitting you and like, oh, I don't, I don't want any of these things. <laughs> and as it proceeded through the whole game, it kind of felt like the walls were closing in on you because suddenly you don't have cards to discard, or you don't want to sacrifice permanence, or you're too low on life. And I mean, in its original form, you could you could also sacrifice lands to it as well which was probably weaker but like had this dream that like everything would be gone in the end and like someone who was just like tormenting you to death like they're left in this game state where you are you are completely devastated and everything is taken away from you and so when we Mm -hmm. were working on this set and talking about like how do we express Boas's cruelty and we, we had a list of, like, adjectives that kind of expressed who Bolas was. And I, I don't remember exactly what they were, but they, they kind of spoke to the three colors. And, like, he is, you know, uh, a mastermind. He is infinitely cruel. And the red part, I feel like, is the one that makes him especially interesting. That, like, there's a lot of, like, mastermind villains who are just, like, you know, behind the scenes doing stuff and manipulating and and taking power. But he's also super theatrical. And so this notion that, like, he wants to see you suffer. He wants to build statues to himself. Like, you know, we really had fun with this kind of, like, I mean, I know it's a black card, but, like, it has that same quality of, like, you know, you are going to have to choose exactly how you're going to die. And that, that was a really fun part to play with. Neat. <laughs> this is back to our <laughs> Rakdos episode. But... Yeah, I'm like going back like, God, you guys definitely have a different idea of fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for man. you, not for anyone else. <laughs> Come on, man. Ah. It's the Azorius philosophy. My last card, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk about it in too much depth because I want to do a, 
episode. Oh yeah, we absolutely need it. to do an episode on this guy. Yeah, yeah I think we slated that for mid July. Yeah, so I'll only mention him because um, who knows? Maybe Sean has a story fun. or three. Yeah, the Scarab God. So we don't have uh, to read it. That's for sure. No, <laughs> that'll that'll take an episode itself. His first ability, the zombies one. When I first read him, it was spoiled on air whilst we were recording. And I was like, oh, another zombie guy. And then I realized I'm just going to ignore that first ability. That's gravy. If I've eternalized a few things, I'm going to get a few of those triggers. The second ability, uh, which is effectively eternalize at instant speed any card in anyone's graveyard, any creature card, sorry, in anyone's graveyard. That's great. Is absurd bonkers good <laughs> bonkers good and i think we're only like i i've posted on twitter oh you know i'm gonna be brewing this and people go oh you're doing zombies i'm like nope and the people <laughs> that get this card go no of course he's not doing zombies he'll get zombies anyway because he'll abuse the hell out of the second ability right dude all so i know tell is us i'm about gonna be this replacing one, grim grin with this and he's gonna be my new zombie lord because I am not afraid to go as tribal as possible. <laughs> this is going to be so stupid, especially with those cards that are like, hey, you get double zombies every turn forever. By the way, each opponent loses X life equal to all 600 zombies I just created. Peace. So, Sean, what can you tell us about this one? So, I, I can say we went into this set with knowing the three gods. They were really baked into the story. And we knew we wanted to do them a little bit differently that from, from Theros, you know, we, we sort of felt like hitting the same note with all the gods was a little bit too repetitive. So we really were looking for twists on the basic notion and we didn't actually solve it in design. We, we kind of gave loose top down versions of them. I think this had the second ability when we handed it off but the development team found that like dies and returns to hand um, a text that I really just like the play pattern of really well. So it's yeah. it's not as commander friendly as as you know just being indestructible, but just from an overall satisfaction with these gods, like you know they they are so weird and so full of character that I'm just, I'm really enamored with how they turned out. That awesome. Okay. So here's a question that a few people have brought up. So the scorpion God has a thing which says when you have a negative one, negative one creature uh, counter on a creature, it dies. You draw a card. Locust God says, whenever you draw a card, you create a one, one blue and red insect creature. Why didn't scarab God have something that would say like, when a creature token comes into play, you put a negative one, negative one counter on it because that would have made the entire module system work once again for the Sean main special. Um, the So they were definitely not designed with that as their intention to to loop into each other like that. Each one was pretty individually created to express its role in the story. It just happens to look like that, and probably the order they were revealed in, like, you know, didn't do it favors. I mean, that might have been cute that they all worked together, but I'm just happy with, like, you know, the scorpion god is there poisoning everything, and the the part that he's a little slow at, but I, I'm really also thought was important, 
is he's the god killer. Like the first thing he does in the story is he shows up and he these guys are there to kill the other gods that and he gets to do that. He has the puts the minus one minus one counters on that can go right through indestructible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good idea. Good thought, sorry. Good bit of fluff. I mean, Ed, all three of the gods are really, really cool. They all lend themselves to amazing decks to build around, and I think they're all gonna be worth uh talking about. I will say this, at GP Vegas, I was part of the Massive Magic preview event to show off cards from this set, and one of the things we had to do as part of Bolas' team was to go and destroy all the, uh, destroy the sand sculpture to reveal the scorpion god, and that thing damn near killed me. Like, <laughs> when we pulled the ropes to try to pull the sand sculpture apart, like, the mechanism holding the ropes to the thing bust open, and, like, a thing with metal and screws and everything flew all over the place... And that would have been a really neat way to get killed by the scorpion guard hiding underneath it. That would have been a little <laughs> too flavorful. <laughs> a little too on the nose. <laughs> but, man, these cards are super creepy looking and also just look super fun. How about you, Phil? What do you got? So we're going to skip mine because we are running really short on time. And we do want to get to Sean's cards. So why don't you... Oh, I like your first choice there. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So we have questions about this one. My what can you tell us? My first one is God Pharaoh's gift. Oh, <laughs> nice. I'm both happy with this one as a commander card. This does a lot of the things that the uh, Scarab God is doing, but anyone can play with it because it's an artifact. But we. I, I don't remember where the pitch came from. It might have been Ken Nagel, because I know he's really enamored with this, but uh, I, I don't guarantee that. We talked about that Eye of Ugin moment in World Wake, and that like having that kind of setup where you have a card that references a card that you haven't seen yet. And... Or actually, it might have been on the list... Now that I say that, it might have been on the list of... like. Story, story tropes that the creative team wanted to hit in Amonkhet was the gate to the afterlife. And what does the gate to the afterlife do when you don't have the afterlife afterwards to, you know, show the tail end of that story? And so one of us uh, pitched having like, well, why don't you go? We can show the other card on the other side. We've got a set coming up that's going to do that. And that first card is a little complex, and I've seen a lot of people joke about it in Limited, uh, you know, the fact that it references something that you can't get. But boy, I am going to be excited in the uh, draft where I open God Pharaoh's Gift, feel like I can play it, and then can go into my third pack and pick up that gate and complete the whole story of filling up the afterlife and then it is time for the gate to open and flood the world with zombies oh that is gonna be sweet yeah yeah nice yeah (laughs) this card is so good especially with anointed procession so good oh yeah (laughs) oh Oh, yeah that's dirty Oh, I'm so excited to do that. That's going to be dumb. It's going to be so dumb. Now, did you select this for us? How did we end up with God Pharaoh's Gift? Because it's a perfect match, except for Sean. 
Uh, no, no. I'm, I mean, I was, I was because tokens. Not That's all I'm saying. At Sean. the time, so uh, I, I, I do not know, but oh. I agree. It's it is a sweet commander card. I am excited for this one. Wow, that's yeah, a great card. And it's priced to move at seven colors. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, get your gifts. Get your gifts while they're hot. Come on, get there, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> two for power, two for pen, uh, seven mana, sir. Seven mana is your free mana change and your zombie. Look after him well, we'll look after you. <laughs> wait, wait, this doesn't cost seven mana. It costs three mana and then a few more and I'm filling my graveyard. Yep, fair. Three fair. mana and then two mana and six creatures in your yard. Yeah, yeah. Get your Godfarrow's gift. Pay for it in installments. <laughs> Pay for it in installments. Interest free, like sir. Hawker at the gates to the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> Howdy, Squire. We did mention this one on Brainstorm Brewery, and and they were like, "We're not getting to cards under a dollar." <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So in real cost, this thing is forty cents. So pick them all up, everybody. We'll be giving them out as prizes for. Dude, this thing is going to be time. amazing in our format. Yeah. Kind of. I am excited to cast this card. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm going to apologize in advance to Phil when he edits this because he'll just hear a greyhound going nuts in my house. Ah, uh, that's awesome. I don't know what I don't know what he's doing, so I'm sorry about that. All right, what's your next card, Sean? Uh, so my next card is Abandoned Sarcophagus. Which is three mana artifact. You may cast non-land cards with cycling from your graveyard, and if a card with cycling would be put into your graveyard from anywhere and it wasn't cycled, exile it instead. So this is one I'm really amused by because cycling decks are really, really fun, but they have a problem, which is you have to spend all your mana cycling and just getting this repeated pattern. And... This was basically saying, like, can we do a cycling card where the outcome's going to be a little bit different every time? And like, oh, well, what if you get to cycle your card and cast it too? That would be sweet. Yeah, this felt like, when I read this for the first time, I was like, did that just give all the cycling cards flashback? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It's just like, that is cute as hell, man. That, That looks so fun. And also stupid. Oh my god! Think about it. Like you cycle away your ginormo, like you know, six drop, like mega beast thing, in the beginning of the game for one green, and then later on you just pull them out of your graveyard and you're like, here you go, dust them off, you get to go, and you don't even need to internalize them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> or you just cast them all straight up, and then you drop this, and you get to cast them again. So. There's a, there's a lot of fun stuff to do with this. I am excited to see decks. Oh, man. Drop a Flock Joyer in your deck and watch it go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. You just oh, overrode no. Hoopo. <laughs> God, I wonder if, if the time for Astral Slide and Commander is finally here. <laughs> Astral Slide. What a ridiculous card. <laughs> oh, man. It's so much. Oh, jot one eye over it with my... um. I overwrote with my, uh, what's it called? Uh, Hell of Fire of Torment. Uh, what commanders, what magic set's not right without a ridiculous blue enchantment for seven mana? Swarm Intelligence. <laughs> Wait, Swarm Intelligence? Which one is that? The ridiculous seven blue enchantment. Oh, Whenever you yeah, cast yeah. sorcery, get another copy. 
yeah, that's a nice, uh, like, I just, I love the cleanliness of that as a card. No, I want, what I was going to say was uh, Oketra's Last Mercy. Because this is, this is, a, I think, a really fun cycle that, you know, we haven't really talked about Exert because it's, it's much more of a limited and standard mechanic. Not, there aren't many of them that really would hit Commander, but we were, we were talking about twists on Exert and there's the the main one that the set has which is the exert on activated abilities but someone i want i want to say it was sam stoddard pitched the notion of like you exerting yourself and it was this fascinating like i don't know what that means but we we came to this like lands you control not untapping next turn and it plays a little bit like echo but also a little bit different from echo because the turn that you cast it is so meaningful so you really got to load a lot of power for cheap mana cost in these things and so this is this really and it 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 conveys that desperation that the set wanted to have that and when we first did this it wasn't the like last stand cards of the of the uh Amonkhet gods but i think that's this really cool moment to like show that desperation of the people but like in these really epic ways so i I just love this cycle overall yeah like it all of them seem to do really really cool things and wasn't there also like the yeah the bantu's wrath of god Mm -hmm. for three mana which is just like holy crap you out damnation damnation yes i don't (laughs) untap any lands next turn but if you're playing black, then you should probably have ways to get infinite mana from your swamps anyways. So you leave a few swamps untapped, and the next turn you can just start wrecking house. But even just being able to clean the table is worth just tapping out your three, you know, and not and taking a turn off just to have that breathing room. Yeah, all of those, all five of those cards look just pretty silly good. Except for the green one seems kind of little, little bad for us. The one that for two mana gives you, I guess, a five four or whatever. But the other ones are pretty great. I I expect that green one standard players will be much more excited about though. I, I I'm not sure what it, what what's a standard. <laughs> <laughs> also, I've often dude, you have no why is lightning bolt cost three mana? <laughs> Somebody explain Sorry, to me why me. open fire costs three mana, please. Uh... So this is one of those, like, you know how long ago Lightning Bolt was printed? <laughs> and about 23, 23 years. Uh-huh, years uh-huh. And to do, I like, I get the comparison that people want to make with it and uh, lightning, open fire and Lightning Bolt, but limited needs simple cards and limited needs the power level of lightning bolt is such that you couldn't print it in a standard set in a limited <laughs> environment. Otherwise there's just nothing. No one's going to pick anything but red. Nothing with a three butt or less is going to be playable. <laughs> you need to make be it, you know, the game needs to have weaker cards than lightning bolt for, for purposes of a draft or a sealed. And, I get that it it compares very unfavorably, but you know what? (laughs) This is a card that you might first pick or you'd be happy third picking it. 
and the format is not a one color format like it was in fourth edition (laughs) (laughs) can i ask a question you may or may not be able to answer so the card hour of devastation Uh that was leaked as a black card that did something similar but different was that some was that an intentional leak to throw people off the scent by wizards because when i used to work for games workshop they started leaking fake information about their new product to put leakers and spoilers off so the reason only reason i ask is that the card hour of devastation and the fake hour of devastation that we saw were very similar and it just made me go Ooh, was that huh i i did not is there a story there? i did not see this leak i can I, I definitely wouldn't have been involved in anything like that, but I, I can assure you, Wizards... I can tell you that, the card was the same, apart from it was black, and instead That's of doing weird. five damage to everything, it destroyed everything. Huh. I... Oh, I wonder, I mean, definitely Wizards' attitude is, is not to... Uh, they they do not feed false information out there. That they they take very seriously the integrity, like... The closest thing I feel like we've ever come to playing with that is sort of the conspiracy stuff where there was like the card dropped into the pre-release kits. Which was amazing. Uh, it was super fun. I mean, <laughs> but that's that's the closest that we've ever come to like actually... Actually, we, we talked about like a campaign during Conspiracy 2 of like doing like a hashtag that was like lies about Conspiracy 2... <laughs> <laughs> or something, but like definitely wizards wouldn't have uh, done something like that. It's just interesting to me. Hmm. But I mean, people hmm. can infer kind of, you know, things and often point them in the right direction. So, well, there are six legends in this set. We've only talked about one of them the Scarab God. And we talked about Neheb. That's true. We did talk about Neheb. So we talked about two of the six. So of the four remaining, are there any that have a special place in your heart, Sean? I'll I'll give you a quick one on the Locust God and I don't know how to say it, but Unesh, the Cryosphinx Sovereign. So the Locust God, we were we were playing around. He he's this uh, in the story, he's the one that breaks the barrier that sort of protects the city. And so the horrors of the desert come flooding in all the creatures out there in the wastes and the sands. And we were playing a lot with like tearing down like things and trying to express that with bounce or something, but we couldn't quite make it click. But that basic notion of him summoning locusts, once we hit on that, it was so charming and everyone kind of fell in love with the notion of like, I'm going to create a swarm of locusts that that's the part that stuck around. And uh... that's charming. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was latching on to. Excuse me. I have a different definition of eating like flying demon moths. How delightful. Jumping back to, you know, my history, when we moved to Cairo, my, my father is an entomologist. So God, (laughs) he, he's studied insects all his life i mean most of my life he was a professor but so i am charmed by the notion of having a horde of uh, locusts i feed locusts to my bearded dragon by hand every day oh. and this by the you way just the draw gods, some cards you'll have plenty to feed it 
Yeah, the art on these <laughs> cards is just horrifying. The fact that it's the actual insect in whole just stuffed on top of a body is oh, kind of creepy. Oh, so creepy, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, next. <laughs> Unish, I'll, I'll, the only thing I'll say with with the, the cryosphinx, besides the fact that it's really cool that it's a cryosphinx, which are the ram-headed sphinxes, this was oh. Ken Nagel. He was the one who was insistent that we are in Egypt. I want a Sphinx Lord. I want something that I can build, you know, my commander deck dedicated to this over-the-top tribe. And and so we delivered on that and gave him the, the Sphinx Lord. Mini factor fiction is nothing to sneeze at, man. Oh yeah. You gotta you get to tell these riddles all day long. It's good. It's good. I have a Sphinx tribal, but it's currently got Kira the Great Glass Spinner as its mm. commander, who is going to get swapped. <laughs> nice. Also, thanks for bringing back the original OG Unsummon. Good times for everybody. Oh, yeah. Saying. I don't know, man. Overall, this set looks incredible. It just looks super fun. Amon Cat was already a lot of fun, and this looks like it's going to be building off of that really, really nicely. The pre-pre-release made everything look just bonkers. Nice. <laughs> and so uh, I'm super looking forward to it. Plus, if we can just, I guess, wrap up with one last thing. I see that there are five cards which stab each of the hated members <laughs> of the Gatewatch. <laughs> it's pretty phenomenal. I remember at GP Vegas, we all saw the Jace's defeat and we're like, man, somebody got burned by... A vintage game one too many times, huh? I like that. By implication, there's one member of the Gatewatch who isn't hated. A Johnny. <laughs> well, that's because the Johnny, Johnny is smart. He didn't come to Amonkhet. He was like, nope, you guys can hang out with Bolas. I've already done that. Bye. <laughs> so, yeah, can you, can you talk a little about these defeats? Oh, yeah. I mean, when... One of the things that we, we realized very early on, what these were these were really fun to work on. They uh, <laughs> early on when we were talking about this is kind of the the, the the whole thing is kind of set up as this disaster movie where the world is collapsing on the people. You get to see the destruction of Amon Cat. I was and and this is where Bolas really it is, it is Bolas victorious and in his finest form. I was really enamored with the notion that, like, no, you should get to feel like you are Bolas. A lot of this set is going to feel more fun. He is not just, like, you could have him as solely set up as the villain, but you also want to give players the ability to feel like they are the ones knocking over these monuments and, you know, having those torments. And we should, we should give you these cards where he crushes each member of the Gatewatch. And they are, they are, they were hard to get right. I think the color hate became, you know, the sort of key development twist that made these work. And some of them are elegant. Some of them are a little janky, but yeah, the Nissa's looks a little, yeah, yeah. They, it's, it's one of those cycles where you could kind of elegantly get half of them. And then the others were, kind of kind of squeezed in there a little bit but i'm i am so happy with you know how these came out and they were controversial people inside wizards 
being certain this was terrible. But this is this is one I really pushed on because I would put them like during during sealed playtest. We do tons of sealed playtest because it's it's a better uh, it's it's more useful to balance sealed actually than than draft, even though draft is, is more fun and more popular. But people would open them and start cackling. They'd open like you know Gideon's defeat and start cackling about it, and and they'd immediately want to share it with people around them. And then they'd realize like, oh, this is also Chandra's defeat, and what is what does that one do? And those emotional moments that were going on were just so beautiful. And I was so excited because they captured exactly that, like kind of cackling villain feel, you know, uh, and, and then you can put them in your deck in those situations for the, the color hate, if they, you, you come up with those specific scenarios, but that, that made me really like, no, I am pushing on this. The creative team is excited to show these moments and like, we're, we're going to make this work and someone is going to Jace's defeat Jace or definitely in standard Gideon's defeat Gideon. And they are going to run around the table, high-fiving everyone. Cause it is just that you, you've, you know, gotten that bingo moment and it's exciting. Mm-hmm. I have to say, Sean, I'm getting a little worried for you here in that, like, this, <laughs> J- the defeat of the heroes of the Gatewatch is beautiful. The swarm of locusts is elegant. <laughs> I'm just being a wonder. It's like, when did Bolas take you over? And is that really just a leech on the back of your neck or is that his telepathic tool to control you? <laughs> it's okay. Blink twice if you are under control. We will help you. We are your friends. We are your friends. The flavor text on the defeat cycle is beautiful on all of them. Oh, yeah. Where you're getting maximum bolas, you know, so self-aware of the game. Trolling, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just out of shot on all of them is his other hand giving each (laughs) Planeswalker just the finger. Flipping oh, the bird right in their face. I love Nissa's though. The soul of the world is gone, Nissa, and I would gladly kill it again. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. Oh, Chandra's defeat reflects a lot of EDH players' attitude towards red. Mm-hmm. Fire. <laughs> is that your only trick, Chandra? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was a lot of the Wati team finally getting to say what they've always believed. Oh, it is it, it is time. fun to write for Bolas for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Also, dude, Hope Tender, maybe the most busto card in older formats. You know, exert it, untap two target lands. Not basic lands, any lands. Well, yes, I did want to untap Gaia's Cradle and like, you know, Nyx. <laughs> oh Thanks. yeah. This uh exert on activated abilities is uh Jackie Lee's big contribution to the set. She was the one who pitched that and uh this card kind of was the centerpiece of like, yeah, this is a good idea. Yeah, yeah that's quite good. Busto, man. Mm-hmm. So we are at the end of the show, and I just thought I'd come back around to Zendikar Expeditions. There were twenty five of those in the big set, twenty in the small set. And Inventions and Invocations both had 30 in the big set and 24 in the small set. Just saying. It's not <laughs> So there are 24. Half. There are 24. 24. Yes, instead in of 30, which set. were in the big set. The big set has more 
of the masterpieces. I'm just saying. Listeners who were waiting <laughs> to drink when Phil took his chance to correct me, drink now. Oh, it, wasn't, it wasn't you. It wasn't just you, I should say. So, Sean, how can people reach you? Uh, I am on Twitter, at Sean Main. That's Sean spelled the correct way. <laughs> me and Tabaras are going to get you. Oh, I'm man. sorry, I can't do that. Talk about an hour of devastation. <laughs> Thank you for hanging out with us. This was a blast. It was an, another extra long episode. It was a, my pleasure. Thank you, dear listener, <laughs> for hanging out with us. Dear listener. <laughs> yeah, that'll change, too. Dear listener. Without your support, both as a listener and for those of you who have donated to our Patreon account, this episode wouldn't have happened. I know that sounds maybe a little like uh, some kind of apocalyptic statement or begging, but it's true because we would have had to donate our time, dedicate our time to something else. And so if you want to support the podcast and un open up some of those really nifty tiers we have, like an After Dark episode where all of Shivam's swearing can stay in the show. <laughs> I'll have you know this is the first episode I have sworn on in quite some time. Since the last one, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't do last week's episode because it was just me and Phil. Uh, <laughs> we need those Patreons because after we went to Vegas and some of our Patreons met us, they decided to unsubscribe. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to support the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash commander. Never meet your heroes. And if you donate 10 bucks or more per episode, come join the patron chat we host over on Facebook. And we're incredibly grateful to all of our patrons, people like Ryan Martinez, Zachary Brothers, which it's not clear if that's uh, some brothers who have all decided to contribute, or Zachary's last name is Brothers. So Zachary, write in and tell us. And it's of course... a plumbing company. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Zachary Brothers, tell us who you are. And... Chris Thacker. Chris Thacker, one of uh, now my oldest friends, actually, finally uh, donating. Thank you, Chris. Um, and thank you to all the patrons. And don't forget, even if you do already donate, give us a five-star review on iTunes. We love seeing those comments. And actually, we have an overdue prize of Commander 2016 decks that need to go out to people who have given us five-star reviews. So we'll do that next time. You can reach us by going to our website, commanderinmtg.com. Our email is cast at commander at mtg.com. And you can find us on all of the social medias by searching for Commander and MTG Podcast. Individually on Twitter, I'm at Ketjack. I am at Copane26. <laughs> and I am at Electrotile, though I am probably going to be switching all of my Commander in correspondence to my other Twitter account, Girapuri Gears. Because that is my official magic cat, and I really ought to use it for something. <laughs> so, Mr. Main, because I refuse to say your name and spell it wrong. Ooh, salt Main. I didn't Up mean until to that insult moment. the fellow, Sean. <laughs> yeah, you're all part of the same network. <laughs> Do you mind taking us out in the time on a tradition, sir? So, I'm going to read you the flavor text from Jace's defeat. Yes. I had hoped for more from you, Jace but I expected as much. Ooh. Burn. <laughs> yes. Eat it, you damn cloaked bastard. Oh. 
<laughs> all I wanted was my other glove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nikki oh, B, I think I left it at your place. <laughs> I keep telling you, I haven't got it. You have Gideon. It's behind that shield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I, I'm not holding a glove. <laughs> this one, I, this this is somebody else's glove. I think it's Nissa's. Remember, I called this the hour of devastation. I meant the hour of eternity. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are eternalizing the listeners now. Goodbye. That's our show. I once did Rise of the Dark Realms when someone else had a phage in their graveyard and I was like, well, that was stupid of me, wasn't it? (laughs) I'll I'll take it back, you didn't check. And I was like, no, no, we have to learn from these mistakes. (laughs) I feel like I should record that amazing game that I lost the last one I played at uh, GP Vegas where my friend Tony had six dragons or seven dragons or something in play with the Silumgar and managed to have infinite, because of like some mono-generating enchantment from Avacyn Resort, managed to have infinite combat turns that just then obliterated the entire table because she would wrath everybody when six dragons plus Silumgar attacked and then would get enough to be able to pay to have more turns come out. And it was just like, Wow, you just in one turn slow and steady with like seven dragons just wrecked a table full of eight people. <laughs> it was incredible. It was like we we all sat there and did the math and we were looking at this like how did she just go infinite out of nowhere? And it's like, well, it's turn forty something. I think she had plenty of time. But but it was just getting wrecked in the most perfect way. Like, you know, sometimes you lose a game and you don't feel bad about it because it was so cool. This was using mm. the enchantment Druid's Repository from uh, Avacyn Resort, which is an enchantment I'd never seen before that day, which is one and two green. And whenever creature you control attacks, you put a charge counter on it and you can pull a charge counter off to add one mana of any color. And Druid's she had like a dragon that said, when this attacks, you can pay some amount of mana to untap all your creatures and get Second or another combat phase? Hellkite Charger. Yes, that. And she, because she was playing a Scion of the Ur Dragon deck. So it was just Silimgar, Hellkite Charger, Scion of the Ur Dragon, and like a bunch of rando dragon tokens from something else. And just like, oh, well, I guess I'm attacking with six every turn, which just happens to be enough to get another combat phase every turn. <laughs> or rather, immediately after this one. And it's just like, me and Ethan looked at each other and we're like, you know what? I don't feel bad about the fact that I just lost to a flight of dragons that then went and turned and killed you, that then went and turned and killed the next guy (laughs) and the next guy and the next guy, just because it's like, that's how you should lose, right? Like, you should just get eaten by a flight of dragons. Combos and infinite dragons, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and like, it takes so long to set up that you don't even feel like you got comboed out, because you're like, well, there were like 40 turns I could have done something about that, but... She built it up slowly and steadily, kept her head down, and then wrecked us. <laughs> it was That's great. cool. 
and I, I, I will always.